0: In this edition of the podcast, the incredible story of the refugee engineer finding himself in detention in Australia, then using his skills and knowledge to create fascinating art out of refuse, which is now highly sought by galleries and collectors alike, including the powerhouse in Sydney. Professor Pedram Khosranijad speaks with Majid Rabat about his life, his work and the nature of his most recent exhibition. I'm Tim Stackpole, and this is Inside the Gallery. Hello, and thanks for taking a listen to the podcast once again, as we acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this podcast is produced and downloaded, and we acknowledge their elders past, present, and emerging. And, of course, you can read a transcript of this discussion via the link at this episode's description at www.insidethegallery.com.au, And that's with thanks to the contribution made by the Australian Arts Channel, which is available to view for free at www.australianartschannel.com.au. Artist and engineer Majid Rabet came to Australia via Indonesia and was then detained by Australian immigration, firstly at Christmas Island and then at the Villawood Detention Centre in Sydney. While there, for two years, to help ease the anxiety of his situation, he put his skills and inspiration to work. Majid noticed discarded material in the refuse area of the centre, which he knew he could repurpose into usable things. And he made many other things to make his life and the life of his fellow detainees easier and more comfortable. Good friend of this podcast, Professor Pedram Khosranijad, spoke to Majid at a recent exhibition and asked him about his journey, his work, and his plans for the future. Uh,
1: my name is Majid Robert. Uh, I'm from Iran, uh, capital city, Tehran. And I'm an electronic mechanic engineer. Uh, when did you come to Australia and why you're here? That's a long story and journey. Because of my job and involving the government projects, and I didn't want to do it in Iran. In Iran, yeah, and it's being out of my moral, and I couldn't do that. <laughs> and how I how I was involved with that? It's going back to uh, my work in Iran, because uh, most of the big work in Iran under control of the government. And one branch of government, we name it Revolution Army, and they like a spider net controlling all industry and all the big projects and forcing the people they got capable to do anything, forcing them to work for them. Some of the projects, they need people with different... uh, ability and different talent and if you want or don't want anyway you're going to be involved it's shortly I can say I involved with the project with um, one of the corporation in Iran they uh, I involved with making the first uh, multimedia kiosk in Iran and then I'm involved with a seismic project to Investigating fuel and gas in the mountain, and after that, step by step, I came forward and involved with uh, the project. I didn't want to do it, and it's a long story. And I don't want now to get into that. So you that. left
2: Iran because of pressures that was yes, on sure. you and your family. When was that, Majid?
1: It was exactly in the two thousand nine.
2: Two thousand nine. Uh, yeah. So you left Iran to go where?
1: Actually, uh, when you escape, you don't know where you're going. <laughs> what, what, what you had in your mind, where you wanted to go? Actually, I said, whenever I can be safe. I find the person, actually, they promised me to get me to Canada. I first escaped to Dubai and Dubai to Indonesia. And there I lost my money because a took it and left me with nothing there. And I had no choice. And I find uh, another person, they said, i take you to Australia by boat. And in my mind, I thought that's a Titanic. I said, okay, all good, <laughs> whenever uh, I can be safe, I'm all right. And all that uh, tragic happening in the way to Australia and something you didn't expect that's going to be happen. But so what happened? A uh, long story with uh, when I arrived to boat, I said, where is the boat? They said, this is the boat. I said, this is the timber, it's not the boat. <laughs> and they said, you have so you can get out of the boat. Where do you want to go? It's the ocean. And 10 day I was in the water and uh, food finished. We, we got out of the water and the engines catch the fire the middle of the ocean. Finally, we make it. <laughs> After 10 days to the Navy catch us around the Ashmore Island in the north of Australia and they take, took us to Christmas Island. For three months, approximately, I was there. When was that? It was 2010, actually. April, yeah. It's around April, uh, we flew to Sydney um, without detention center. In approximately two years I was there. Which one? Uh, Villa with Detention Center, yeah, yes.
2: sure. The people who were with you on the boat, they were all Iranians?
1: No, it, different nationality. They were Palestinians, Afghan people, we had some Tamil people, it's multi, some Arab people. And it took how long you stayed in the camp? I think 19 months.
2: So let us a little bit about the life inside the camp budget and how you were engaged with art. This is the beginning I think of the journey of you as an
1: artist that yes. today we know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, in the camp it's definitely it's not normal life. It's too much pressure. Because you don't know when which time, which day or how long you're gonna be really stay there and it's not promise when so you you, went do, out.
2: you didn't have any passport, you didn't have anything. No. so you were stateless,
1: yeah, exactly because we when you're escaping, you can't use your passport <laughs> it's it's normal, you should use fake one or whatever you can
2: so how was the life in the in this camp
1: uh, it's it's really tragic life and in the beginning, but you can't guess what's going on. You think everything's normal and everything's gonna be okay, but gradually when the month by month passing and it takes longer, you're getting disappointed and this pressure is too much and handling it by people is different because different capacity. Everyone's has different capacity. I, I actually I couldn't find anything can make me survive. I start to do something. Uh, I got power over it, and only find that is the art working by hand. And but there is nothing in the detention. <laughs> You're not allowed to have access to so many things, and that's make the too much. That's a, too much boundary with materials or some of them we don't have we don't know about the rules and maybe we could have them but we don't know the rules and it's a lack of the language is misunderstanding misinterpreting and all they coming together to make it really tough yes i start to do whatever i can to keep myself involved with something to, to be busy. To be busy. Not and to think. Ca- yeah, and conscious. Push my brain to work. <laughs> hmm. Because when the brain not working, we are the body. Uh, yeah, the body is not gonna work. So what what, what what did you begin with in the camp as a creativity? In the beginning I trying to find a way to do painting, drawing and painting, and I didn't know the we can access to brush or whatever. I start to make the brush by myself.
2: <laughs> you made the brush? Yeah, okay. I made the
1: brush by uh, cat hair.
2: Oh, wow. Inside the camp?
1: Yeah, because we had a cat being friendly with, and he came to our room, I feed them, and just a little bit take some of the hair and make the brush, and we are trying to paint by coffee and tea because we don't know, we we could access actually some color, but it's happening later after some people coming to help the refugees with um, visiting them, help them with trauma and making some fun in the weekend or something. Whenever they
2: can, actually. Yeah, so it was by the support of those external people that you understood that maybe art is a way for you to heal your trauma.
1: That's the only way. The only way. (laughs) So
2: in one way, you became the patient and in the same time, healer of yourself. Yeah, and sure. Art was a medium, am I correct? Yeah. For you to heal yourself yeah, and cope with the imprisonment situation and traumas.
1: Yeah, that's uh that was uh my medis- medicine and my my style of healing yeah. yeah,
2: a type of coping strategy
1: yeah, with definitely. the trauma in the imprisonment. Definitely and what was a artist only think you have the power over it with empty hand with empty hand yeah and so
2: also this creativity is involved
1: yeah and in involving to push the brain to the out of the line and think more to get the more result from the brain and it's keep you alive so what did you
2: create it as an artist what was that you have extensive amazing background uh, from the before coming to camp so what 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 was the first step what did you create
1: actually i start with the drawing actually drawing and painting what were the topic of your drawings different <laughs> sometime portrait sometime nature when when i find it's not satisfying me i said let us push it a little bit more far and i just check the scraps and find in the what what is the leftover or I find the part with D V D player or TV and whatever it's not working. I took the part and I start to make the electronic stuff. It's like a microphone. I made the microphone to because we had a band. We create the band, music band and we need a microphone and Definitely, we, we should make it. <laughs> and I made the microphone with ping pong ball, guitar jacks. I found some wire and some, some piece of the rubber from the tongue, from sleeper. And headphone. Yeah, I mixed them. I made the So
2: actually microphone. from rubbish, yes. things inside the camp without Definitely. asking any Support, you create the things inside. Because you're not
1: allowed even to have a needle in the can. Mm. And for making electronic stuff, definitely you need a soldering iron. Yes. And you're not allowed. So, how how did you make this? I I make the soldering iron by pencil. Yes. Actually. (laughs) Uh, Because the graphite in the pencil, you can heat it up by low voltage and Make the uh, make it use it as a soldering iron and melt the thing together with that because the heating of it you can do it by adapter, charger, or battery too. And then, yeah, I start to do that and keep going with little. I made the power tester to gradually get forward, I made the screwdriver out of the some. Budget handle,
2: so it's you could and you could not expose these things. No. You need to hide them too. Definitely,
1: definitely. Where did you hide them? Actually, I had a couple of places to hide my tools. Is one place was behind the three-phase power board because I knew no one brave enough to put the hand there to search it. <laughs> but I, I knew how to deal with power, and I hide them there. My hammer screwdriver tester, and lots of different little tools. I hide them there and gradually they become more and I think oh how should protect them more. I made the detector to detect the civil radio of the officer circle. Then because they when they arrive to any room to search, they make each other new okay which which room we're gonna go to serve and they talking the CB radio and I said okay when I access to that frequency I can hear when they're gonna arrive to my room (laughs) and I did that just to protect my stuff. when I actually when I left the cam, I said sorry guys I detect you guys they take your CB radio and they freaking out how (laughs) I said that was in my way, but I didn't do anything wrong. I just protect my stuff.
2: <laughs> so, in the end, you told them that you did yeah. all of this art.
1: So, what, ha- what happened to those art objects? Uh, all of them, actually, in the camp, you're not allowed to bring anything in or out. Mm. By somehow, I passed them to uh, Safdar, Dr. Safdar Ahmed. He's a, he's a who... Um, start to make make the refugee art project. That was an amazing project he did to help the refugees to deal with trauma. Mm-hmm. And... So he came to camp time to time week, to visit you, every uh, week? Every week, he and his group came to camp and doing painting and helping people to learn more about the art and doing mm-hmm. artwork. Mm-hmm. Doctor Safdar Ahmad yeah, and Anton Anson and yeah the couple of guys they are so lovely guys. Mm. Lovely so group.
2: what was your condition when, for first time, you met Safdar?
1: Actually, I met Safdar in uh, I think after approximately after one one year I was in the camp, but I was wasn't in good condition because. One of the, my friends hanging himself in the camp. Mm-hmm. And I was who cut his rope. Mm. And after this incident, I got really bad trauma and got post-traumatic stress.
2: You were broken.
1: Yeah, I broken. I couldn't walk. I got to be in a wheelchair. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. And I wasn't really in good conscious. Yeah. yeah. And
2: this is... How really you arrived uh, yeah, to? December. So before meeting Safdar, you didn't create any art and material, or you did? Yeah,
1: didn't. I did. So
2: when when was the time when you began to create this art inside the Actually,
1: camp? after approximately after four and five months in the se- in oh. the uh, villa, but I because I r- realized I don't know how long I'm gonna be staying mm-hmm. here. Let's make it a little bit comfort. Mm-hmm. Let's make it a little bit can deal with uh, this, actually, fraction. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When did you come out of the camp, Majid? In the August 2011. How come they admitted that you come out of the camp? Actually, I, I was in the situation nobody could uh, think I'm going to be alive. 'Cause I was in the really worst situation in the wheelchair and I had this two nurses look aftering me. They sent me to housing commission. So it was because of the
2: sudden suicide yeah, of Yeah, my friend. Your friend and you were the person you told me that yeah. found the body.
1: Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I was two months in the housing commission and then I came out and with that trauma and all that happening i'm starting my life so when you really began to work with art after the camp after the camp it takes at least i think couple of months to little bit conscious but still sometime i was in hospital this gradually it takes 2 years actually to little bit fine and being conscious to can Work. But I'm starting uh, to do artwork in the end of 2011 because that's, I find, that can help me. It's like uh, art therapy.
2: And since you are engaged with the Refugee Art Project? Yes,
1: sure. And Refugee Art Project get the uh, place in North Paramada, And I'm starting from there to doing artwork. Actually, the Refugee Art Project was Really big and good opportunity for me to and do the, the, the rest of refugees. Yeah, you know, and rest of
2: refugees. So Doctor Ahmed did yes. and still doing amazing yeah, project with doing, empty hand yeah. and without he's amazing. any support. Really, yes, he and, is amazing. Uh, yes, supporting a group of all type of refugees yes. by art and promoting, uh, helping, healing, and working. Yes, Am I correct? of course, yes. yes
1: yeah that was actually a good opportunity for me for and for others refugee to come there it's it was more than art and healing it's uh, socializing it's most of the you, most, you needed to yeah, meet the other
2: people listen to your stories share your experience nice people
1: and they hearing you they can feel you and around you and it, this socializing is really important mm-hmm. in the refugee art project. It's, yeah, that's part of it. It's so spectacular. Yeah. So when was your first exhibition? Uh, actually, first exhibition, I wa- when I was in the camp, I had exhibition uh, out uh, in the Mori Gallery, Sydney. It's some of my painting was there. That was first gallery uh, I had in the Sydney and I'm starting gradually doing art, and we had a sharing artwork with Chrissy Anson. She's an amazing artist, and we worked together in a couple of projects. Which projects ever? Uh, one of them in 2012, I think. It's been in Rose Garden, Paramada. It's installation. Yeah, it's the installation of the one- Outdoor I- installation. Yeah. And another one... What was the topic of that one? The topic was one uh, one sculptural shape of the horn, actually. And gradually we enhanced it and make it a little bit mixed. Uh, that was the first uh, pop art we tried to mix the technology a little bit. And we installed the... Uh, Amplifier inside and microphone and people then talk from the beginning sounds goes out it's like a big speaker I see and what was the second one and uh, second one we actually enhanced that project again make it portable in the wheel and lead it with make it high tech and paint it differently like uh, uh, actually. Copper, copper paint. And that was in Lambay, Palomata 2013. And then another. You had pro- your
2: Phoenix project. Yeah. Seymour.
1: Seymour with Chrissy Anson. Yeah, together we had the Phoenix project is, was 30 birds flying in the street out of stainless steel.
2: And again, outdoor installation. Yeah, Where outdoor. Where was that?
1: It was in the Blacktown. Around. Lambay. Yeah, that was uh, my pop art. And what, sorry, one pardon, what happened to the
2: objects that you created inside the camp?
1: Oh, that's, uh, it was really hard to get them out, but somehow we make it and Dr. Safdar Ahmed took them and take them out of camp. It was oh. <laughs> really hard to deal with that, but we did it. And he gave them to the Powerhouse Museum.
2: All right. So this is how it was the beginning of your connection, your art objects connection with the Powerhouse yes, Museum sure. in Ultimo. Yes. In All Altimo. right.
1: Okay. And then uh, this process keep going. And yes. I keep going to do more artwork because I'm evolving in the camp to yes. become artist. But uh,
2: mostly until now, your work, they were outdoor installations yes, with technology. Sure. So you are using... Your backpack of engineer, mechanical, inventor, designers of Iran, developed that in the camp, mixture with all of the traumas, imprisonment, things, and now you are in Sydney. Yes. And you are (laughs) trying to, um, please correct me, you are trying to combine everything and adapt them with your new life.
1: Yeah, sure.
2: In Western Sydney.
1: Yes, sure. All right. Why why you were in Western Sydney? Because uh when I when I got out of camp they settled me in the Western Sydney. Oh right. And Do you know why? I didn't know exactly why, but it's it wasn't bad. Oh, I right. met some good no, no, people. I, I, I definitely. There, but
2: Uh, I wonder if they tell third world countries, people, refugees, asylum seekers... Actually,
1: I think maybe it's a multicultural area, I think. Mm. And they thought it's here, I can find more connection. With the people of your country, same language. All other countries, refugees. Yes. Because we are same, uh, in the same situation, but different language. Yes. So um, you now you have your home and your home is your studio and you create everything. Yeah I'm starting to do some work to actually my first work to a little bit check my brain. I built the robot out of umbrella and DVD player and printer and old phone mix them together to give it movement and checking how my brain works (laughs) because i wasn't in the actually good situation after that trauma dealing with that yeah that was in 2012 i think yeah in 2013 i built the anzac bridge out of the noodle wow which where is it today uh, yes it's it's uh, holding by um, Department of Engineering in UTS. UTS? I wow. Yeah, at the moment. So they acquired that as yes, an object. and an object. Yeah, and then keep going in the art, starting just, unfortunately, I don't know, or fortunately, I'm not fit in the some category I'm... Uh, I'm multi-material worker. Yeah, I'm working with metal, wood, electronics, electric, sometimes fabric, sometimes it's. I don't have limit in there. Yes. doing doing. Uh, but I like to create. Yeah, professionally.
2: Yeah. So when was your first personal contact by yourself with the Powerhouse Museum?
1: Uh, personal uh, contact is become in 2005. No, 2000, I'm not sure exactly where... So you went there by
2: yourself or they did find out that you're out of camp? Oh, How they,
1: they uh, I think they connected with Safdar Ahmed, Dr. Safdar Ahmed and we made the meeting there to... Um, Talk about the objects. So, what was meet. your
2: feeling after camp? See your objects in the museum.
1: Uh, I was, uh, I was amazed, and I said, "Oh, they, they are from my vision. Is what they was nothing. It's said it's some simple thing I made, but I was curious how people uh, actually they liked them and they saw them as a uh, some creditable something uh, they got value you know what I mean
2: and very recently they made amazing documentary yeah about you. it yeah tell, tell us about that production how was that
1: yeah it's they actually making documentary about that tiny bit of my journey from the detention and uh, all the objects yes in the powerhouse, powerhouse. collection. yeah it was amazing uh, documentary it's really satisfying and
2: you're happy that your collection of objects of camps are there now
1: yeah and
2: public can look at that and learn about your amazing Uh, story so uh, let's back a little bit to the main topic of our podcast inside the gallery Majid I want to know your idea because you raise very important point that you are not usual artist and you don't feel yourself in simple category of watercolorist or uh, this or that. After so many years living here as a refugee artist, yes. if you admit, if you can say that, how do you feel gallerists here in Australia in general when they hear about you and your work? Do you have any experience with gallerists and the reaction regarding yeah, your yeah, art? Yeah, yeah,
1: but, but mo- most of them when... Uh when I take my artwork there, they saying to me, "Ah, oh, we never end up with some artwork in this style, or because everybody's having gallery, uh, having this artwork in the gallery, they got uh, exactly working in one category or one direction of the art. but my artwork is every time is different, <laughs> because I don't know next time what I'm going to make." <laughs> This time making. So they are a
2: little bit confused, but it interested?
1: Be, but interested. They're really interested because. So they, they are can, open.
2: They are open. There is, there is no uh, like things that, you know, uh, dark things that they say. No, no, galleries, no, they, love they it. don't want refugees. They don't want people of Middle East. They no, like they, your work.
1: They, they love it and uh, a lot Amazing. of the people, uh, most of people in Australia. They are t- so lovely and they.
2: Which they, other museums uh, your work? They have in their collection your work, or which museum and galleries since you are out?
1: Only Powerhouse Museum and UTS University, and yes, yeah, some of the, the um, some of the gallery is Mori Gallery, uh, Ice Production in North Parramatta. So this exhibition
2: that we see is actually one of your first. Group exhibitions, yes. or you had something like this before? Ye-
1: I had something like this before. Okay, when yeah. was that? We had it in North Parramatta because we run the gallery there too. We working together and with other. When you people. say "we," it
2: means refugee yes, project sure. artists.
1: Sure. How many you are in this project? Uh, it's it's depend. They welcoming everyone. Mm-hmm. Anybody coming? It's it's really hybrid. People yes, come and go. Come and go. Yeah, but it's really good, really good and really helpful with, I say that socializing, it's more powerful. So
2: now we want to talk about this exhibition, Majid. Where we are standing, let us know what this is the aim of this exhibition and who are the artists here and what is these two amazing artwork of yours.
1: Uh, thank you. Actually, uh, it's calibrated by Refugee Art Project and some artists from Indonesia. So how many of artists that we have in this part of gallery are Uh,
2: from Refugee Project?
1: I think we are one, two, three, four, five, six, I think. Six artists, yeah, together.
2: All right, and what you are exposing here in this corner, Majid, what we see, can you tell us? Uh, That's a
1: wireless electric guitar.
2: Wow, both of
1: them handmade by you. Both of them handmade. Yeah. Can you tell us more about them? The the white one is built in 2018 mm-hmm. and the the moon in the uh, in the headstock is showing the Muslim sign because this guitar built for a uh, Muslim metal band na- na- named Hazim. Hazin,
2: the level of sadness. Sadness, yeah. Lamenting, probably. Yes, sure. So, who
1: are these Hazin
2: group members?
1: Hazin uh, group member is Safdar, Dr. Safdar Ahmad, and a couple of uh, wow. people. Yeah, we, They're all
2: musicians.
1: Yeah, all music. Like heavy metal? Teams? Yes, wow. sure. That's so a Muslim the first Muslim metal band, I think. Oh wow, interesting. Significant guitar they. Okay, so you made it for this. Yes. Who, who so, played? Uh, Dr. So this is literally
2: personal guitar of Dr. Yes. Ahmad.
1: Yes. All oh, right. And uh, another guy's cousin name, he played it too. But it was amazing to collaborating together. Doing and this
2: is the guitar that we see here in this documentary
1: yes, on sure. the screen? Yes, sure. All oh, right.
2: So it's applied object, actually. All yes. oh, sure. right. Okay, so why you
1: call the, the symbol of Islam is on the top? Because the the Hazin is Muslim metal band. All right.
2: <laughs> okay, you wanted to create Make something something specifically. significant. Yeah. So do you consider it as a Muslim object. Oh
1: uh, no, but it's Muslim sign.
2: All <laughs> oh, right. So is a an object in the series of Muslim band? Yes. You wanted to connect it somehow. Muslim to Islam.
1: metal band. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So what we see in the second object? Second object is uh, because I love the metal band. Yes. <laughs> and it's I very specific design that we see. Can <laughs> yeah, you explain for you. us? It's it's actually multi sculpture. All right. it's a complex uh, artwork. It's each piece is, but I like see really anatomy in it. Yes, so anatomy of birds, anatomy of human. Humans, can you, can you uh, develop that for us? Yeah, it's a uh, all the volume head, volumes, uh, knobs is the skull, and the bar is snake actually, skeleton of the snake and uh, head of crew and head is the skull crow skull and body is the humans is a little bit uh, artistic side and i add some some direction with being matched by design of the body
2: all oh, right so why is schools? why you went to the bone and a skull in the skull
1: because it's a, I like the, uh, what's that? Heavy Metal. All right. <laughs> that's, that's my so favorite. It,
2: yeah, it's inspired by heavy inspired metal. Inspired by heavy metal. Symbols. And, and,
1: yeah, all right. So, where do you make these things, objects? Do it, you have a special studio? No, I made it in the, my backyard by really basic tools. Oh. That's why it takes five months to build it. I didn't have uh, even the table to work with. So everything is by hand, without any machine, without and any just machine. just hand. I made my tools by hand for right. more than that. Guitar, I made the tools to deal with this project. All right.
2: So from zero part of project, you build yeah. up even your tools to make these art objects.
1: Yeah, and all the part is uh, all scrap. Most of them, 90% scrap. Only I pay for paint and glue
2: because right. I couldn't find
1: anything in scrap. So and where do you find these things? In the corner of the street. All right. <laughs> leftover wood, leftover... Uh, the so
2: actually your work is collecting things from streets yes. and things that people throw. Yeah, so I give it new life. <laughs> new li- I don't want to say from rubbish... But from things that they... They are rubbish, <laughs> actually. So somehow you are recycling. Yes, sure. So can we consider your art is helping the climate change? Because yeah. you are using the... You are recycling the trash of people. Yeah,
1: and I'm making something, but in really professionally. I don't like to say... A lot, I don't like immature. No, 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 so, no. I like when I'm making something it's 100% 100% yeah it's uh, uh, functional and in the high quality when we talking about the sound it's meant to be have perfect sound without noise and transmitter and receiver working perfectly
2: so can we put you and your arts budget in the um, category of you are applied artist and you're Artworks are applied art objects because they have esthetic, but they are hyper mechanical, electronical, and technology in it.
1: Yeah, and I'm using actually from my vision, the knowledge, and experience. It's not gonna work without being artist. Mm. I'm using knowledge, experience, and mathematics, physics and i'm using all this as a toolbox to create the artwork
2: <laughs> do you like the idea of applied artist applied I think art, so or, or what how you call your works then if, I, if if they are not applied art i don't know i think you're right, <laughs> right. so magic what's the next project after this exhibition
1: it's the band right. most of my project is depend what i find and what accessory i have it means, period. again,
2: when you walk in the streets and what you yeah, can Yeah, what I
1: want. Because I like to make something, anything. It, it doesn't matter. I like shooting the film. I like photography. I like sculpting. And I'm doing it, I would like to do it in a professional way.
2: Hmm. Just back to this exhibition, how was the, you know, the visitor's interest
1: uh, people really satisfying and they enjoying they, because they they end up with something they never seen before. When we are talking about uh, a different art, different different taste of the art. Actually, we I like to give people different taste of the art. When we, when they see the instrument, they can feel the sculpting there. But the other side, they can find that out. Uh, this is the functional fully functional uh, instrument and and professional and professional uh, adjustment. And you can see
2: here in the film that you know how the
1: how oh, they using, using it using it's that. it's it fully functional working and they satisfying because they have different taste of the art mm. so uh,
2: do you have any uh, more exhibitions in your agenda for
1: near future I think so I need it and I need to have them <laughs> <All right. laughs> actually I need to do something's different because I can't do one thing twice time mostly if the next one should be completely different maybe robotic maybe whatever it's coming
2: so is your professional life you live with you know inventions and yes, your art I love you are
1: full-time it. artist I think so yes I like to challenge actually all right thank
2: you Majid for your time all Have well, nice thank afternoon. you for
1: having me here thank you
0: That's Professor Pedram Khosronijat in conversation there with Majid Rabet and you can find a few links to Majid's work in the description of this podcast edition at www.insidethegallery.com.au including the collection held by The Powerhouse in Sydney. You'll also find the transcript there thanks to the Australian Arts Channel and links to our Facebook, Instagram and newsletter alerts as well. Thanks to Pedram for undertaking that discussion, thanks to you for taking a listen And until next time, I'm Tim Stackpole. Bye-bye for now.